You're listening to the Global Edge Business Beat, brought to you on the Michigan Business Network. I'm your host, Jade Sims, in the International Business Center in the Eli Broad College of Business at Michigan State University. Today, we're speaking with Martha Gabriel. Martha is a retired banker, having worked in the field of trade finance. She also volunteers on the West Michigan District Export Council which is a group of volunteers that have been appointed by the Secretary of Commerce to assist Michigan businesses with exports. Welcome, Martha. Thanks very much, Jade. It's really great to talk with you. And being a 30-year-plus global trade and finance geek, I'm really thrilled to have the chance to share some insights with Global Edge Business Beat. Fantastic. So, Martha, um, which came first, your interest in banking or your interest in working internationally and looking at international markets? Mm, definitely international markets. Going all the way back to middle school and to high school, I've been curious about global culture pretty much my whole life. And at the time I decided to study business and accountancy in college, gee, back in 1979, undergrad programs of international business study were extremely rare. They basically weren't available. So I signed up for every international course available to accounting majors in the business college. Classes like international accounting and international marketing, for example. And then when I got out of school, my first full-time job was as a commercial credit analyst at a regional bank. And so we had several importers and exporters in our portfolio. So banking just came on by virtue of the fact that the first job I could get out of college was as a commercial credit analyst using my accounting degree. But turns out um, underwriting those clients in that credit portfolio was invaluable experience and really launched me into a true international finance career. So lucky I count and thank my lucky stars. When yeah. I was offered the opportunity to take a rotation in the bank's international department, so they actually promoted me from credit into international, I just jumped at it. And so in the early 1980s, international banking was just taking off. It really wasn't a thing until then. And I was fortunate to come in at the very beginning. And so that meant I was responsible for everything from issuing letters of credit to booking foreign exchange contracts, to selling risk to other banks, to helping clients put together their structured trade finance with partners like XM Bank, and even had the experience of establishing a Hong Kong subsidiary for the bank I worked for so that we could issue local letters of credit in Hong Kong because back in the 80s, clients were importing from Asia and using Hong Kong as the trade hub for that region. So. It was an amazing and challenging and wonderful way to start an international finance career. Really interesting that you were able to be in the, like you said, the right time, the right place and marriage to of your interests. Very cool. Yeah, so, very fortunate. So the first time I met you, you were giving a presentation on methods of payment for international transactions and you explained letters of credit. Um, and it was so helpful for me because I hadn't really thought that much about the role of banks in dealing with international transaction or, you know, what financial risk and payment risk even looked like. So when you talk to new exporters and, you know, people who haven't been in the field before or had those experiences, how do you explain? 
explain this process of getting paid and mitigating that risk? It's a really, really good question. And it's super important to always back the client up and help them not be myopic and just worrying about credit risk and how to get paid. Coming with a commercial credit background and then going into international really gives me the perspective of taking the conversation with the customer to start at the very beginning and ask that client, why are they exporting? What's your goal? And what risks have you identified? Because we need them to think about the whole experience. It's not just about getting paid, but it's about all the other parts of their business that are going to be involved in and affected by their decision that they're taking to export. And quite often exporters, especially new exporters, don't know what they don't know. And so having that deliberate conversation really helps them set the stage. So as I said, it's not just about getting paid, although I do stress that a sale is not a sale until it's paid for, but it's equally important to identify why you're exporting and then align your sales and your credit strategy accordingly. So for example, a client who is looking to export because a, a major client of theirs wants to export into a new market and wants to take them with them might have very different goals and risks from a client who is looking to export because they've been approached by a foreign buyer who found them on the internet. So I also talk about the various risks of exporting in this conversation. Think about your supplier risk who's gonna help you either supply pieces, parts, or help you make the product that you're gonna export. Are you ready to do the documentation you're gonna to need to do that export? Have you thought about compliance? Now you're doing business cross-border. How are you handling your shipping? You got a good partner to do that through? And then of course, being the banker, finance. What's that export's impact on your working capital, your cash flow? Um, have you thought about how foreign exchange might come into play? And then, of course, the be all end all, the credit risk associated. So great that you're able to talk to companies about, you know, really a holistic view of the transaction, because as you said, a lot of times companies come in and they, they don't know what questions to even ask as they right. get started. And so having someone able to kind of guide them and help them see that whole picture and take on an, an education role as well, I think is just critical to right. success. Yeah, they have to they have to think about everything, not just letters of credit, right, Jade? I mean, they have to think about all the different various terms of payment that are available to them. Um, so we talk about everything from cash in advance to letters of credit to even open account and how all of those are handled, what the risks are, the impact to the client, so that then that client can take the decision of which term of payment is consistent with that client's company's goals, their, their sales, credit and cash flow and risk mitigation goals. So it sounds rather simple, but in practice, it involves multiple conversations that have to include all the functions of the business from sales to credit to finance to manufacturing and shipping and of course all these conversations involve lots of modeling so it's not a one and done it's usually several conversations my 
favorite ones and the most successful ones were those when the company would invite me in to meet with a group of employees gathered from those different departments or disciplines within the company. And so we could have the open conversation about, so you're going to start exporting. These are the markets you're looking at. This is the product you're looking at. And so sales, what do you think about it? And credit, what do you think about it? And shipping, are you set? And um, sourcing, are you going to be able to meet the, the um, time frame? So a real conversation and helping them organize that so that they're thoughtful and strategic. Yeah, bringing in all those diverse perspectives. Mm-hmm. Key, I'm sure. So I'm sure that, you know, throughout your career now, you have compiled a lot of great stories about different companies that, you know, have started maybe very green in the process and have ended up being very successful over time. So without revealing too much, can you share a story of a Michigan company that has successfully grown using the resources that you've made available and talk to them about through the bank? Sure, absolutely. Probably too many for the time we have. (laughs) After, you know, doing this for three plus decades, had some real fun success stories. And the interest of time and of course privacy, I'll kind of do this as a mashup of a couple of manufacturers who faced some really good challenges creatively to, uh, to grow their exports. We had one client manufactured capital equipment and they had a large client in Asia, and there was an Asian banking crisis back in the 90s. And this client had been working with a particular customer for a number of years and had given them extended payment terms, but they used a letter of credit to support those payment terms. So they said, fine, we will give you, for example, 90 days to pay us after you get the machine, but only if you give us a letter of credit from your bank so that we know the bank is promising to pay us on that 90th day. Well, when the banking crisis hit in that part of Asia, we at the bank actually received a message from that paying bank in Asia on about day 90 when that payment was due saying, due to the banking crisis, we're we're unable to pay. So we worked with the client and the clients, you know, said, what, what do we do? And I said, well, basically the conversation was you can't get blood out of a turnip, right? If the bank is saying they can't pay, they can't pay. There's a couple of different avenues you could go here. Um, we had not confirmed the letter of credit, the client, we had not been instructed to or asked to. So the client did not have that avenue of claiming on the confirmation, nor did they have credit insurance. So. They negotiated new extended payment terms with the customer in in Asia. They were able to collect additional interest charges for that extended credit period that they gave the client to get through the crisis and pay them. In the end, they got paid with interest. And as far as I knew, for the next decade or so, that client continued to be a customer of, of my of my client. So. It was a win-win and it was a great show of creativity. Another one was a client who was growing fast in a a new um, hot technology and needed to conserve capital to make some acquisitions and to, to grow their organization, but they had an incredibly good export opportunity to ship. Uh, This was also to an Asian buyer and really wanted to take advantage of 
that buyer's country offering certain incentives for that particular technology. So we worked with Exim Bank to get the client a very large um, line, a working capital line of credit guaranteed by the Exim Bank. So they were able to preserve their cash and their capital on their balance sheet to do that expansion and do the investment they needed to make in the business, but then finance the export sales that they did of that technology to Asia using Exim Bank. So a great example of creative use of Exim Bank's um, guaranteed export working capital facilities to um, not just support the export sales, but thinking holistically about the company, help them maintain their balance sheet and really manage their working capital and be able to invest where they needed to invest. So those were two of the most creative situations I had along the way. So really interesting that even in banking, um, creativity and flexibility as two really key um, skills to have when you're working in the area of exporting and international business. Absolutely. It's not one size fits all. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, thank you for speaking with me today, Martha. You're welcome. This has been the Global Edge Business Beat brought to you on the Michigan Business Network. I'm your host, Jade Sims, and I hope you're able to tune in again next time.